that human desire for connectivity is, is so strong, regardless of who you are or where you are in the world or what you have in the world. I'm Kelly Hoey, host of Broadmike. I speak with the most accomplished entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders about the issues that matter in building a business. You will get the inspiration as well as the picks and shovels you need to become a better entrepreneur. Be inspired, take action, think broad. Want to know what makes a world-class venture capitalist tick? Want to learn how she developed the confidence to invest in the future now? Meet Jalik Jobenputra, the general partner of Future Perfect Ventures. We have a global technology veteran, a powerhouse with a 20-year track record in investing in cutting-edge technologies over two venture cycles. While running her own VC fund, Jalik also makes time to write one of the top 10 investor blogs, The Barefoot VC. Jalek is a highly sought-after speaker and one of Forbes 40 under 40. In our conversation today, Jalek will share her insights from her investing experience, including why not being in an office in Silicon Valley gives her a competitive advantage, what she looks for in entrepreneurs she funds, and why she is still so excited about her work. Jalek is investing in the future today, a future that includes mobile technologies, blockchain, Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, and much of what is today's most cutting-edge technology. Keep listening to hear the pearls of wisdom from this technology thought leader. So, Jalek, you've had a wide variety of technology investment roles over the past 20 years. Uh, Extraordinary career and experience so far. Um, And I'm really interested because you've been through various VC cycles, and not a lot of people can actually say that who are in the VC world right now. Any observations you can share on a market right now, which I don't know if we're, are we in another tech bubble? Are we not? What are your thoughts? Well, that's that's the billion dollar question, right? Well, the perspective from having invested, uh, venture invested since 1999, uh, puts a lot of things that are happening now in uh, a, a different light. And that I, I know what goes up must come down. Uh, we have never been able to get out of economic cycles uh, in, in the history of, uh, uh, of economics. So uh, we, we know that uh, things have been very positive and, and frothy over the last few years. Uh, and and so we're going to start to see a stabilization of, of all of that. In fact, we've already started to see that. However, a lot of things are also different from, say, 1999 or even 2008, and those are the two cycles that uh, uh, you are referring to that I've invested through. And one of the things is that we are now seeing ubiquitous use of technology around the world. So uh, instead of just being concentrated amongst early adopters in Silicon Valley or New York, we now have people all over the world, all over the United States, using technology, using smartphones. So a lot of business models that were not feasible back then uh, because people were not using as much technology, are now a lot more feasible now. Now, that does not mean that valuations are necessarily in line with, uh, with all of that potential. And so we've seen a lot of money come into 
the asset class and early stage investing, pre-IPO investing, and that's been driving the prices up. Um, And we've also seen a situation of low interest rates, which means that a lot of these investors who are putting money into technology companies and pre-IPO companies are doing that because they can't get returns elsewhere. Until maybe this week with (laughs) with the market being where it is and whether or not traditional markets, be it whether commodities, um, the stock market, whether how that's going to you know, so maybe play into some of the sanity of the valuations that you referred to and whether or not I'm sort of thinking uh, the the mass adoption of mobile technology, maybe how's that going to play into bounce back of, um, I would say, of, of tech if we're, if we're in a tech bubble in terms of a, a, san- a sort of a, a sanity with respect to unicorns and valuations or, you know, are we going to see this? You know, prolonged again, or is this going to be a, a quick bounce? What are your thoughts? Well, because we are seeing broader adoption of technology, and you, you just mentioned s- smartphones, uh, we—I uh, I don't think we're going to see a crash in in the tech sector the way we did in two thousand and one, uh, where uh, for a few years uh, there were only a few companies that really. Survived. I mean, Amazon was one, eBay was one, um, and uh, and and so we we will see. I'd say more companies surviving uh, because their products and services are needed in in this world where everybody is starting to use technology or has been using technology. Uh, so I, I would say it, it would be more of a, of a correction and a stabilization, and then we'll start to see some growth from certain elements of of the uh, the sector uh, one, one is globally we're seeing a lot of uh, people come online um, with smartphones we're almost at 50 percent of the world is now um, on smartphones or will be in the next uh, two years so if you start to think about how we started using um, smartphones and all the different applications that uh, arose, the needs uh, just in terms of data um, and 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 kind of pipes and and bandwidth, so all of that is is happening on an exponential scale uh, throughout the world in places like India, China, Africa. And uh, and that's where most of the world's population lives. Even if we don't think so, based here in New York City. Uh, and I want to get into your investment thesis. It, it, it all with uh, I want to say with respect to smartphones. And when we think of smartphones, we're probably thinking of the next you know dots or you know whatever game we're going to play or which app is going to get us a, a taxi. But you know, where this explosive growth and opportunity is, is really in these countries where you're getting smartphone adoption before you have banks and other types of infrastructure we take for for granted. And that is completely shifting markets. And I want to really get into more of that with you. But before we do, as we were talking before we started, so many people are calling themselves venture capitalists. What is venture capital? And who is a venture capitalist? You know, as someone who's been through two cycles, I'd say you get to wear that badge. But what's your view? <laughs> that that's a great question and a, and a great uh, level set. I, I'd say, especially in a market like this. So, 
a venture fund uh, is 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 an asset class, just like mutual funds, uh, just like um, hedge funds, uh, where I go out and and raise money from investors who then ask me to invest that money in early stage technology companies. So I go to them with a strategy, um, and venture is a longer term. Uh, uh, asset class in that uh, I mo- most funds uh, have a life of ten years, so I invest the first five years, and then the next five years you're expected to start generating the the returns on those investments because it does take some time when you're doing early stage investing for those companies to grow. And Let's then- just repeat that point. 10 years for the fund, and mm-hmm. this is a long-term investment. Yes. I just wanted to stress that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it, so, so it is it, it is a major commitment on the part of the investor uh, as well, the, the fund investor as well as the venture capitalist. And uh, it is something you have to be really passionate about doing and understand the risks and be able to manage a company through potentially cycles. And and that's where having invested through 99 and 2001 and seeing that that bubble and the bursting of that bubble really is helpful in an environment right now, which is becoming a lot more uncertain. Uh, I have made sure that the companies I've invested in are uh, in a good position, whether it's raising more capital when they can or or looking at plans to profitability in case they're not able to raise uh, in the time frame they originally thought they would be able to. So it's a lot of hands-on work uh, working with the entrepreneur, especially when you're investing at such an early stage. Well, let's just think about portfolio investment strategy for a moment because I, I, I think that would be really helpful to people. So that first fu- you've raised a fund, you've got a new fund. First 5 years, what are you looking to, you know, to put in that and and what kind of uh in in the various stages of companies, what are you looking for? And then what are you doing with them in the ne- in that, you know, is that that final five years, you know, assuming it's a 10-year fund. Mm-hmm. And and I would say, you know, I said five years and five years. I There, there are companies I've invested in that are looking at acquisition offers uh, two years after I've invested. Right. So I, I'd say um, it, it's not hard and fast on, you know, you spend the first five years just investing and then the next five uh, uh, returning the capital. You can start returning capital much sooner. Uh, so I really look at uh, – so I invest in very early stage. It's usually um, after a product has been built. It may not have been launched yet, uh, but it's been built out. It's something I can look at and assess and, and see how big of a market I think there can potentially be for that uh, product. And then uh, look at uh, the the team and and see if they have – the right expertise to at least guide uh, this product in the early days. I mean, often we see changes of management team down the road, but uh, you want to have a stable team in place you know, for these first two, three, four years. And, uh, and, and, and since I do invest early, I, I'm looking for these really what I call game-changing Ideas and technologies, and um, and and the, because there is more time, 
to develop into something that is uh, is you know truly game changing versus I'd say a feature that's added on to uh, an e-commerce site. Uh, some of the things I'm looking at are artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain infrastructure. Um, uh, online video is an area that I think is poised for a lot of growth in the next five years. So I look at what isn't really around right now in a big way, but uh, will be or should be based on trends that I'm seeing out there in, in the world um, that needs to get funded now so they can capture this, this early growth. Well, let's, I want to dive again into some of this a little deeper. Um, you know, as you're saying, seeing trends uh, and, the, and the, these big wider changes you know, part of that I think is probably based on your experience having this career in venture uh, that is that has been through all of these cycles. So, a really basic question: like, what does it take to be a VC? Like, what does your what you know what's Jalak's life like on a on a yearly basis in terms of you know how you're seeing and how you're I'm really interested in how you're finding the time to think about these things because that's a bigger sort of pause and reflection rather than just attending, you know, accelerator demo days and seeing what the kids are telling you. Absolutely. There is a lot of noise out there and I, I we all feel it regardless of what we do because we're being bombarded with information um, and articles and people and and the world has just become so much more connected. So it is very important to have that reflection time uh, and time set aside to absorb everything that uh, you come across. And, and so what I do is, is uh, leave aside Fridays to catch up on reading, to really think about, you know, sometimes I'll see two to three new companies a day and, and, and then spend time with the current portfolio uh, helping recruit or, or uh, problem solve. Or, uh, and, and so it's a combination of evaluating new companies, helping the current companies, uh, keeping my investors updated on what's happening. And, uh, and, and so that doesn't leave a lot of time for reflection during, during the average workday, which is why I try to set aside one day a week where that happens. Um, I do travel a lot for for work and 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 looking at companies because I have a, a pretty global mandate in what I look at um, but then when I'm traveling I also try to do the same because I, I think that's where you start to see you know trends that are not happening in the United States but are happening on the ground in Africa or happening on the ground in India and a lot of that has uh, given me an edge in in um, versus some folks that may be sitting in an office in Silicon Valley and and not seeing what's happening on the ground in these places. Yeah, I think it is get, getting on the ground, but on, yeah. getting on the ground, how did you find uh, Case Wallet, yes. which is Rochester, New York-based? Well, that is that's a great story, and and this goes. You were asking about what what uh, VC entails and networking. Uh, is is a big part of of what uh, VC entails, and it's. Um, I always had 
or for a long time, I had a negative view of networking. It always felt like something that you just had to do to get something. And but, schmoozy, schmoozy. <laughs> you're really yeah. I was trying schmoozy. to avoid using uh, the schmoozing <laughs> word, but but that's that's what my that was my perception of it. But as I got deeper and deeper into my venture career, I realized it just meant that I was talking about what I'm interested in, what I've learned, what I'm passionate about, um, and that's how I really uncover the best new deals because I, I do. Believe believe that uh, when I invest in an entrepreneur, uh, they have to be just as excited to have me on board as I am to have them in the portfolio. And it has to, has to work from that chemistry standpoint. And, uh, and, and so a lot of the companies that I've invested in have just come through connections uh, through networking, if, even if it's not directly with that particular company. So Case, uh, Melanie Shapiro is, is the founder. She, she's an amazing uh, serial entrepreneur who um, had lost some, uh, some Bitcoin. She was kind of dab- after she sold her first company, she was uh, uh, dabbling in, in Bitcoin and understanding a little bit more about it. And then um, she had lost some, and then she realized that there were some security needs before this technology could be more broadly adopted. So she gathered a team together. She was a graduate of Rochester Institute of Technology, which has you know, great cryptographers uh, who uh, research and study there. And she uh, gathered this team to come up with a solution Meanwhile, I had put together a dinner for female entrepreneurs in New York that the fund hosted and started talking about some of the areas I was most excited about and and mentioned Bitcoin and blockchain. One of the women there knew Melanie from a long time ago and made that connection. So that's where I think, you know, just putting yourself out there, talking about what you're interested in uh, leads to connections that you, know, you won't find otherwise or wouldn't easily find otherwise. Well, that's, and that's such a great story, and you're absolutely right on, on the networks and, and the importance of having those connections. And, and as you said, being passionate and talking about what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was sort of laughing, thinking in my mind when you said, uh, you know, the, the, you, the, the entrepreneur has to be equally interested and passionate about working with you. And all I could think in my head is, yeah, because you can't, can't have a marriage with one person in it. <laughs> yes, and, and, and that's the analogy everyone always talks about is ma- marriage. And, and some people say it's you know, even more of a commitment than marriage because it's hard to get out <laughs> once you have an investor on board. When it's all about money, the pillow talk is really <laughs> ugly. Um, so let's talk about Future Perfect Ventures. Uh, it is a micro VC, and that is probably one of those things which is different than past two cycles. We've got this explosion of micro VCs, uh, as well as I want to say, sort of an increased activity by strategics, uh, and you kind of know both. But what is a micro VC? Yes, and that distinction is absolutely correct. Where previous cycles. It's a technology development just took more money. Um, you know, if you look at, I used to work at Intel. It's a semiconductor uh, maker, and they uh, required hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars because they had fabs set up, manufacturing facilities, and now because we have cloud computing, tech development is is much cheaper than it used to be. People can put up an app. 
fairly easily with fairly low cost. Uh, you can outsource a lot of the work um, that needs to be done. So overall, um, companies have required less capital to get to that exit, so either an acquisition or an IPO. And, and so that's created the potential for uh, micro VCs, which are just smaller funds, uh, with, with the idea that there's some types of companies that don't require as much capital um, and, and you can invest smaller amounts, be very capital efficient, and then be able to get a return on that capital in, um, in, in either a shorter time period or you know, with 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 a lot less capital, so um, a lot of venture funds were in at least two hundred million dollars, two hundred fifty million dollars back in in the late nineties. Now we have uh, a fair amount of sub one hundred million dollar funds, uh, which also work nicely with the entrepreneur um, because. I need to have enough ownership of a company to make the time I spend with a company worthwhile. And with those smaller dollar amounts, you can actually put in less money for that same ownership. And so you're not forcing the entrepreneur to take more money than they're ready for. Right. Now, that may sound you know crazy. Why wouldn't they take more money if they have access to that money? But um, uh, every time an entrepreneur takes money, they're giving part of their company away, and they don't want to give too much away at too early of a stage before they've figured out you know who the customer right. is or or uh, where the real growth is going. Well, to and come the, from. the whole idea, might, the money might blind that this is a bad marriage, uh, and and stop you focusing on what you really really um, should be doing. As so, I am an LP in you know a micro micro fund, not yours. I'm sorry to say, um, but as an investor or a potential you know investor, as an LP in a micro. Uh, fun. What should someone be looking for in the general partner? Well, running a micro VC, you have to be very cognizant of uh, how much capital uh, a company is going to have to raise ultimately. Because just as an entrepreneur gets uh, diluted, which means you know starts giving up more and more of his or her company. Uh, a, a, a venture fund, especially an early stage venture fund, will have the same thing happen if they don't have enough capital to keep putting money into the company. So I, I think any fund investors have to know that that fund manager has discipline. I, I think discipline is important at all stages of venture capital, especially in a market where the valuations get high. And you know, there's this fear of missing out, uh, the FOMO, uh, <laughs> which I've seen a lot of investors fall prey to. Also, uh, where they hear so and so is in the company, and they need to get into the company without really thinking about the fundamentals and the valuation. And and so when I talk to fund investors, I always stress how you know seeing these different cycles create helps create that that discipline uh, because you've seen what happens. In, in markets or when valuations get um, too ahead of themselves. And that's not good for anybody in the ecosystem, including, including the entrepreneur and investors. And as an entrepreneur who is pitching um, to get funded by 
um, I'm going to say looking at the landscape and saying, all right, I'm going to go pitch these funds. They're micro VCs. What if you were advising an entrepreneur? What would you say to them if you're pitching micro VCs? Look for this in the fund or fund managers. Yeah, the advantage of having a micro VC involved is that uh, that is these smaller investments in earlier stage companies is their bread and butter. Uh, whereas once you start getting to larger funds, they may put small amounts in as option value to see how a technology develops, but their bread and butter is is later stage deals. So it's really the time and and what you're going to get from that investor in terms of help, right? You're giving away part of your company. Right. You want to know that that person is 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 a true partner in in uh, tap being able to tap into their network, um, their expertise their yep. overall experience. And and so those are those are always things I, I tell the entrepreneur uh, to to look at uh, when when they're getting money from anyone, but especially if that's what a micro VC is supposed to be doing and they're not, there's an issue there. I mean, so it's always so hard that so many entrepreneurs are looking at the money and the check. They're not looking behind it to see what comes with it. And as you said, the expertise, the network, um, the ability to pick up those calls to those other VCs to close a round or to start the conversations for the next round, you know, all of those things. And I think too many times people don't ask that question of, What's behind that VC besides, you know, someone with a pen and a checkbook? And that goes back to your question of, of, of what my day is like. And, and, and I, I spend so much time doing that. And, and recruiting is a big part of it, is tapping into my network. And, and that's where I, I, I find having this long career is, is very helpful uh, uh, in, in terms of running my own fund, where... I am able to pick up the phone and call these folks that I worked with, you know, at Lehman in in 1995, <laughs> you know, and and uh, they're they're doing very interesting things that are can be helpful to the portfolio and and uh, and and so so careers are long and and I think the best VCs are ones that have uh, accumulated very strong networks uh, that they can tap into on behalf of their portfolio. And if you weren't a VC, the way I look at your day, you should have been a, I don't know, a triathlete or a marathon runner for the stamina you need to have. Where did, you, where did the name for your, your VC fund come from? What's, 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 the, what's the story behind Future Perfect? Well, it has a lot of meanings to me. First and foremost, I applied to college as an English major. I wanted to be a writer. And, uh, and I also believe that a lot of great technology development involves multidisciplinary backgrounds. And, and so it's kind of my homage back to that liberal arts, English major, but a real appreciation for that, um, as, because as we know, Future Perfect is a tense. And, and, and when I started thinking about what tense I wanted to use, it just I epitomized what I wanted the fund to stand for, which is that I'm investing in the future now. I'm referring to the future now, which is what the future perfect tense does. And then I just thought, even if you didn't get all of that, even if you weren't an English major or English is not your first language, I just liked the idea of, of, of a more perfect future. It's fantastic. Uh, 
I also am just from hearing that because that was not, you know, I know my past life was a lawyer and as a lawyer, not supposed to ask the question you don't know the answer to. I did not know the answer uh, to that particular question. How did you go from an English major to where you are now in terms of an expertise in future technologies? How did that where, what was the moment that you went from, because I think there's a sort of view of what an English major should be doing. How'd you end up yeah, at Lehman so Brothers? I, I <laughs> ended up not staying as an English major, even though I had applied as one, which is one of the things I always, when I'm mentoring and, and talking to uh, younger folks, and especially younger women, I always say to, to be open and and not pigeonhole yourself and 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 to be open to new experiences and and, and push uh, into areas that you may not know a lot about uh, because who knows where that will lead you and it doesn't mean that you have to go there but uh, it's it's so important especially at a younger age to explore uh, different areas and so my story goes I'm going to take it back even further than that um, which was. Uh, I was I was born in Nairobi. Uh, we moved to the U.S. when I was young, but I grew up going to India and Africa uh, as a child uh, because I'm of Indian descent and had family there. And then obviously we had a lot of family in Africa. And I just remember one of the trips uh, to India. We went to my dad's ancestral home, and I think I was around ten then. And it was literally in the middle of nowhere. This is in the early 80s when uh, India was not as developed as it is, very closed off to the rest of the world. And uh, we were in a hut in the middle of nowhere, uh, about 10, 15 people living in this one small space, uh, but a lot of warmth and, and, and generosity in that room. And when we were getting ready to leave, uh, we stayed a couple days. And when we were getting ready to leave, uh, they they stopped us. And I thought they were going to ask for money or food, and you know, uh, we would bring pens with us, you know, things that we just take for granted, or they even take for granted now. Um, they didn't have, and uh, they asked for batteries for their radio. That was the one thing they asked for. And I think that was a very formative moment in my life where I just thought that human desire for connectivity is is so strong, uh, regardless of who you are or where you are in the world or what you have in the world. And and so that interest in 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 English and I was thinking of journalism, but there was always in the back of my mind, I want to figure out a way to connect this world. Uh, in in a in a better way, and what and at the time it was through words, and uh, and 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 then I ended up taking a few classes at uh, I went to Penn and Penn has a great school of communication called Annenberg, and I decided to study communication, and I took a economics class on a dare from a guy in my freshman hall because it was supposed to be the hardest class and, and you know, according to, to him and his friends, the hardest class in, in the history of the world. And, and that was where I decided to take on the challenge and learn something I hadn't um, known much about. 
and and also be surrounded by people who had been wanting to do that, you know, their whole lives seemingly and and kind of be pushed to be really good at it and ended up loving it. And so then I decided to um to individualize this this degree in communications and finance and ended up doing tech investment banking where I was introduced to the Netscape IPO and just became fascinated how the internet could actually s- solve that that connectivity um, uh, challenge that I had seen so many years ago in this little rural part of India. Wow. I want to go back to Case Wallet for a moment because I think it's a really great case study in terms of how you found them. Mm-hmm. Also a female founder, which you know, uh, I, you, as you know me, that's something that matters to me in, in terms of um, diversity. In making that investment, how much of it was the product and how much of that was the entrepreneur? How much of that was the world unfolding as you saw it and seeing, oh, with my experience, with my, the, the, the investments I've made, with the trends I'm watching, here is someone who's got a grain of something that I can really help shape. What's that? I want to say that cocktail made you decide as a VC. This is this is something you wanted because you led that round, as I recall. Yes, I did. The the fund led that round, uh, which meant that I set the terms and put uh, the most capital of all the investors in in that company, and I'm also on the board. And uh, it's one of those where you mention all these um, different. Um, parameters of an investment, including the team, the the product, the market opportunity, what I think I can also bring with my experience to the table to help the company grow. All of those were very strong on on this one, which is one of the reasons I decided to step up and and lead this deal. I from the moment I met Melanie, I saw that uh, she was really thinking about the potential in a very broad manner in that she uh, had developed technology for a specific use case, which is how do we make Bitcoin transactions more secure? And it was very complex technology. It is very complex technology. But she was also thinking of how is this going to imp- how is this really going to grow? You know, what sorts of devices can we put this technology in? Uh, she had put together a a hardware wallet. Hardware is a very difficult thing to do, and and she had gotten the manufacturing up and running around that. So I just had a lot of confidence in her ability to see where the market was headed in something that is so early, which is so important um, uh, with these early stage entrepreneurs. I mean, Google did not start off as Google, the search engine, <laughs> when they started. They saw, they grew, and they saw opportunity. And I'd say, you know, most uh, companies that grow to be billion, multi-billion dollar companies uh, start off with, with, uh, with, with other plans or much more focused uh, business plans. And then they kind of work with the market to to grow and take advantage of opportunities. So so that is a combination of the market and the entrepreneur. It's having confidence in this entrepreneur who can be it's a fine line between being very focused and then seeing being able to uh stick your head up and then being able to see broader opportunities as the market evolves. 
Uh, so I, I saw all of that. I like to talk to the full team and, and see interactions between teams and between the CEO. And uh, in her case, she had a great relationship with, with her team. They um, spoke very highly of the interactions. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be conflicts, but managing conflict um, is is an important part. And you had and you had mentioned before teams. She, you mentioned before. Sorry that she had been a serial entrepreneur. Yes. Has she worked with any of the current team before? Or I, I'm assuming part of it is her ability to create and manage teams. Mm-hmm. Did it matter? whether or not her prior ventures were successful to you? Well, I look, it definitely helps when there's been a prior successful venture and, and her, hers was. Um, however, I think you learn a lot from failures also. And, and so what's more important is what kind of experience and perspective is the entrepreneur bringing to the table, uh, regardless of whether their previous venture was successful or not. Uh, and, and how much self-awareness do they have? And I, I think self-awareness uh, is, is, is absolutely essential uh, to being a, a successful entrepreneur, knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, no one person can, can be everything. And, and so being able to complement um, uh, the strengths or augment uh, weaknesses is, is, is so, so important. And I, I saw you know, all of those characteristics in her. And she also, uh, she knows she can pick up the phone or text me uh, with quick questions and I'm responsive, you know, when I can be. And, 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 and so uh, having that communication is very important too, that she is not afraid to tell me when she needs help on something or or uh, has questions on on certain things and and so so that puts my mind at ease of, you know having being an investor well it's like sort of one of those things to say hey you can reach me any time yes. but whether or not the entrepreneur does that and that comes back to that self awareness which is so key because i think it also you know touches on when we talked right at the beginning about a fund and is an entrepreneur in it for the long run and is it the right team sometimes the right team to launch a product it's not the right team to grow and scale a product and someone who is the right founder is not the right ceo down the road and having that self awareness of when you're you knowing when you're not the right person yeah. And we've just seen that very recently with Foursquare and Dennis Crowley, who was one of the uh, co-founders of the company, who just stepped aside uh, to become chairman, which is usually what happens when a founder, um, a founder CEO steps aside. And, and uh, the company is at an inflection point where they, they need to grow and, and, and build certain elements of their business, which weren't necessarily part of the original uh, business plan, and so so he's brought in a team that uh, can execute on that. That has some advertising experience, et cetera, and 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 he can guide go back to guiding some of the new product right. development. Right. I want to say, and you know, Nasty Gal's CEO founder who's stepped down from being CEO and went back to what she started and loved, which yeah. is product. Yes. So having that incredible self awareness, rather than agonizing over over it, you should celebrate the entrepreneurs who get who they are and what they're really good at and where they add value. Um, 
I want to touch on this. You sort of brought it up um, when we've talked about it a little bit in terms of diversity. Um, why is that so important in terms of how you're approaching investment? Because I really do think it's this is not a charity thing. This is an investment edge and clearly one with your, I want to say, both your breadth of experience and the geography um, in terms of where you're investing. This is giving you an advantage in, in these new technologies. But I want to hear it from you. So I'm a double minority. I'm a woman. I'm Indian. I wasn't born in this country. There are so many elements of who I am that just, by default, represent diversity. And I think we all come to whatever we do with biases. Everyone has biases. The challenge that I've seen in in the venture and tech worlds is that you have too many people with the same biases who are making decisions about what is getting funded. And, and, and it really is about the future of innovation uh, because most large technology companies at some point took venture funding. Uh, there are very few that haven't over time. And, and, and so when you look at an industry that only has 4% women in senior roles uh, that's funding the future, (laughs) I I just saw a lot of problems with that. And I see a lot of problems with that, which is why I encourage so many women to just explore the industry, whether it's venture capital or tech development or blockchain, or, you know, if there's anyone who's interested in learning more or wants to be recruited from one of uh, my portfolio companies in the sector, I always welcome that because the more diverse minds we have working on product development on, on what these future technologies are, I think the better we all are going to be um, in, in, in the long run. And we're going to be able to benefit in a, in a broader way, whoever we are. Um, and, and the reality is most of the world's population lives outside of the United States or Western Europe. We have declining populations in, in, in places like Western Europe. So the growth is really China and India and Africa and Latin America. And Without understanding what the needs or the the approaches and and the the way people around the world in diverse places and uh, outside of the United States use technology, we're never going to really create the best technology for the world. And as an investor, if you're just looking at it from a, a monetary standpoint, where I do have to return capital to my investors, I think I'm able to return a better amount from having this perspective. I, I feel like I'm not leaving money on the table because I'm looking at the broader potential of what's possible. And great ideas can come from anywhere. Absolutely. And we're, we're, we've been seeing that consistently. Where can um, listeners find you online? Your website is Future Perfect Ventures or Future Perfect? FutureperfectVentures.com. And you're on, are you on Twitter? I am. My Twitter handle is at Jalak, J-A-L-A-K, my first name. And if someone wanted to find out information on your portfolio companies, if there's recruiting, where's that the information? The portfolio is on the fund website. And I also write a blog called The Barefoot VC. And that has 
kind of a lot of my perspectives on on tech trends and um, and globalization and and social impact and uh, so that's another place you can find out more about me. All right, I want to now jump into our pay it forward questions, our regular series of nine questions we ask every guest to get uh, our listeners a little smarter um, and some practical advice. So what are your go-to sources of information? Well, one of the first things I do in the morning is check my Twitter feed. So I've been on Twitter since 2007 and have curated a number of fantastic sources that are very global. You know, some are, you know, the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and others are individuals in India or the Middle East uh, or Africa. And I just find that it gives me a really good way to start the day in in terms of knowing what's happening in the world and and also having some funny stories in there too because you know humor is is not a bad thing yeah, and you know what you know what a, a cat <laughs> cat meme to get your day going so i went my second question out of our nine is, is maybe it's there's a different answer so how do you discover new information i know christy on our team can't uh, go a week without listening to slate's you know political gab fest is twitter your new information or you got another secret source to tell us I, I find that I do discover a lot from people I'm following, retweeting other folks. Um, a part of my job is just doing a lot of reading, and in the course of reading about technology or or, or new trends, or you know, even a Goldman Sachs report on the future of financial technology, <laughs> I may. As unexciting as it may sound, I mean, I do get excited about that sort of thing. But but there may be sources cited that that I then dig into. All, all the good stuff's always in the footnotes. Always. Yeah, yeah. You never know right. where you're going to uncover new information. So oh. uh, so I, I'd say it's just a combination of the sources I read and then just keeping my eyes open for for more beyond that. Okay, so beyond you know financial trend reports out of Wall Street, what book are you reading? I'm reading a book called The Future of the Mind, and uh, I have been fascinated about the brain and the mind. One of the reasons I am looking at artificial intelligence and implications of artificial intelligence uh, and technology, and it's just this fascinating book uh, talking about how the brain has developed over time, the human brain, and and um, how all of this new information is going to impact the future development of the mind. The last frontier. Uh, Who are the people who most influenced you in your career? Well, there have been uh, a number of folks I've worked with over time, but if I really look at who's driven uh, me and, and kind of given me the values to do what I have done, it's really my parents. Uh, They... are immigrants. Uh, they have shown incredible resilience uh, and flexibility. And you know, I think about all the things I look at, look for in entrepreneurs I invest in. And immigrants often epitomize a lot of those characteristics. In that, you know, you're you're coming to a new place, taking risks, you're learning while doing, and and also 
really need to be able to be flexible. You can't expect things to be the way they were from the place you came from. Um, so, so I and 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 just in terms of values, there. Uh, you know, a lot of folks think of VCs as, you know, these vulture capitalists. And I've heard that many times over time. But but I, I do think that venture is an asset class that creates so much opportunity for so many people around the world. If we look at what technology has been created uh, from venture-funded companies, and I think as a VC, you are in a position to really positively impact the world and tech development. And um, and I think that I never forget uh, because of where I came from and the values I have of how lucky I am to have that opportunity. And I, I take that you know, very that responsibility very very seriously. I have fun with it too. I mean, I love what I do, and I love interacting with these entrepreneurs. Um, but it, it is a great responsibility, and I think having been grounded in the values I have, uh, it just makes it all a lot easier. Well, this immigrant is very grateful to be here too. So. Yes, great, 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 agreeing with you <laughs> on that and the responsibility and, and all the rest. What's the best advice you ever received? Oh, there's there's quite a bit. Uh, I say be yourself because everyone else is taken. <laughs> I love, love, love that. And I, th- I think in particularly in this world of startups and venture, we, you know, it's it's hard to fit ourselves all the time into, you know, Harvard or Stanford educated <laughs> 22-year-old white male, so you might as well be yourself. And I, I also think it's it's about, um, look, you have to be able to interact in, in the world that you find yourself in. Uh, but at the end of the day, the people who are truly unique and thinking differently are the ones who are going to change the world. And it, it, it's... It, it's it's the unique elements um, that are going to make the difference, and I, uh, you know, it's not always easy being you know the only woman in a room or uh, having such a different perspective. Having spent so much time in Africa, you know, I remember coming back when I was ten from from that India trip, and and just being you know telling my fifth grade classmates about places that didn't have plumbing. And, you know, it, it was just such a different world from growing up in suburban New Jersey that people just looked at me like I was an alien. <laughs> and But it, it's all those things that have given me empathy and allowed me to do and, and kind of uncover opportunities that other folks don't necessarily see. So that be yourself uh, advice just rings truer and truer as, as more time goes by. Great advice. All right. What's your go-to item in your wardrobe when you want to feel bold? Oh, I definitely say my stilettos. <laughs> you and I have the same same go-to item. I was going to item. ask you what yours was. <laughs> oh, always. Yeah. You know, I figure as, as long as I'm taller than most people in the room, I'm good. <laughs> well, I usually the stilettos don't usually get me there, but uh, but I I, I just uh, I I think. You know, having presence is, is important, and they certainly uh, help in that category. And I, you know, they 
they don't hurt. <laughs> not, not that badly. Well, yeah, I, I believe in comfort too. And I, I found some pairs that are also reasonably comfortable. So, so that, that was uh, a big find to be key, able to do that. Key when you find yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've hinted on this in terms of our last pay it forward question. You hinted on this earlier um, from either the composition of your um, portfolio to the dinners you do. How do you pay it forward for women? Well, I viewed starting the fund as one of the most powerful ways that I could inspire women. I already talked about how only 4% of uh, senior venture capitalists are women. I think we need to see, it's kind of like, you know, Gandhi said, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. I wanted to see more female investors out there. I have all this experience. I viewed it as an important part of, of my career to start a fund so that I could be that change that I wanted to see and hopefully encourage more women to become investors uh, to approach VCs uh, to start their own funds and 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 think about building really big companies, and with only four percent women, we are leaving so much money on the table. We're leaving so much tech development and perspective on on the table, and and so it was very important for me to kind of be that role model that that women could see and the statistic of you know women who invest end up investing in more female led entrepreneur uh, female led companies than than their male counterparts do uh, it's it's been published in the last couple years and I, I mean i've definitely seen it in my experience and and so by also running this fund, I know I'm investing in, in a number of, of very capable women and being able to bring my experience and capital to the table to help their companies grow. Thank you so very much. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Broad Mike. We welcome your feedback. Find us on Facebook, where you will have show notes and additional references for a deeper dive into today's topic. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Please review our podcast on iTunes, which will help other listeners discover Broadmike and grow the Broadmike community. Broadmike is produced by Christy Mirabel with editing by John Marshall Media. Our executive producer is Sarah Weinheimer. Think Broad.